What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Japan with you as always, uh, with Rob. How you doing, Rob? Well, I'm doing actually very well. Uh, I've had a good week.、Um, good. How are you doing? I am doing well. The week's been all right. I'm finally done with nights. It was my birthday the other day. It was fun. It was. It was yeah, nice. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was nice enough. Played some pool just now, kind of chilling and relaxing a little bit. Have a night or two off before another night, and then I'm back on days and not weird, weird life schedule and everything. So that should be good, and I can watch NBA basketball finally with uh, <laughs> uh, just relaxing and seeing these games、uh, without having to work. So yeah. Um, things have been all right. So, Rob,、uh, not really much to talk about as far as Clipper games. I think we figured we talk a little bit about some of the center position,、uh, positional players, and we might do forwards next week, and then guards maybe the week after, or something along those lines. We'll eventually do some cap stuff, and maybe if things become more active, which they probably wouldn't for the next month or so. But once they do, once we finish the reviews. They probably will start to get pretty close because then we'll be at the draft, and then we'll be at free agency, and then we'll be at summer league, really, and then we'll be all over again. There will be a training camp. Really, basketball never sleeps. So I'd say August maybe. August is, is probably the closest. August and the first half of September. Yeah, but it really depends because a couple years ago, the Kyrie trade demand lingered. Into the you know the dog days, so there were rumors about that until his trade was in like early September,、um, but that was pretty unusual. I think usually from like early to mid August until mid September is very quiet. So yeah, we might have like one or two random pods, but、uh, yeah, we're gonna do the reviews. We're probably gonna have at least one draft pod.、Um, yeah, unless there's any serious rumors about the Clippers like trading up. Or a trade before the draft that gets them better picks. We're probably really not going to focus too much on the forty-eight and fifty-six pick.、Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be writing about it on Clips Nation, but I don't think we really need to talk too heavily about it. But yeah, we can get started on centers. Yeah, and I figured we probably start for maybe the the least flashy name, and this is a guy who was on our roster to start and was actually involved in a in a in a, in a deal last summer. Uh, Marching Gortat, we traded our beloved Austin Rivers for、yeah. him to the Wizards, and we got Gortat back. A lot of us were fairly lukewarm, understood the idea of freeing up guard minutes, especially、um, when we got Shade Gilgeous Alexander and Jerome Robinson. Kind of needed to open up time for our guards, and Austin, as great of a you know, as kind of a mercurial as a Clipper, but <laughs>、um, he was a Well, like Clipper from last year, he had a great season last year. So, losing him wasn't just any small feat, but losing him for a position of of weakness was kind of an interesting thing. What did you think about that trade? That we'll always start about talking about Marcin Gortat, the Polish hammer. So, I did not particularly care for it at the time. Like you mentioned, I understood it. You know, the Clippers had a lot of guards. They had no big men outside of Montrezl Harrell and Boban. And we all knew Boban couldn't really be relied upon for minutes, despite you know with some fans and everyone small somebody be like, why don't we get Boban minutes? Well, you see why when he plays. Yeah, yeah.、Um, especially against good teams, you can get away with him against some bad ones. But、um, it was it was ultimately, I think, a smart move. I think I graded it a C minus at the time,、um, with the C just being like a perfectly average, reasonable deal, and the minus just being I felt. Austin Rivers is a better player than Martian Gortat, and also younger. So I felt the Clippers should have got some kind of asset back, even if it was literally like the draft rights to somebody who's not coming over, or like a heavily protected second round pick. Like they should have gotten something outside of Gortat, and they didn't.、Um, so that's why the C minus in retrospect, probably a C plus.、Um, Like I don't even know how Austin would have played if he'd been on this roster, like, or if he would have taken minutes away from Shea.、Uh, just there were not enough. There were too many guards already,、um, and Gortat, you know, ended up being not very good. But he gave the Clippers valuable minutes at times, and you know, he was the stopgap starter for the start of the season when they played, you know, pretty well. So I'd say in the end, it was probably like a C plus or B minus deal.、Um, 
And that's kind of my view on the trade. In terms of Gortat, again, like very not flashy. Every once in a while, he'd turn back the clock and put together like a pretty good game. But most of the time, he was just kind of out there. Um, was rarely objectively horrible. Um, but really, the last month or month and a half uh, that he was on the team, it was just really clear that he could not keep starting, especially alongside Avery Bradley. There was just no offense in the starting lineup. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I agree. He uh, was a good stopgap player. Um, had a had a couple of good games in a row. I think it was against it was at Phoenix in that Orlando game. Had uh, had uh, double doubles. I think he had like eighteen and thirteen. Actually, I'm looking at his log. He had eight, ten, and six in uh, against Orlando, which was I think at that time some there were some rumblings like maybe he's just getting his footing, maybe he's doing better. The Wizards were clearly a toxic situation. But and Gortat did set good picks and he did a few things well and Shea even had a little bit of chemistry with him as things went by. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But but Gortat, you know, in general was just a limited lumbering center in a in a speed up modern NBA game. So things just didn't quite work out. But I thought he did well. I thought he cheered for the team. He didn't really he didn't really you know mumble or get dejected yeah. or do anything bad that you maybe would have associated with his his uh, wizard stint. So I thought he was a good he was a a good locker guy and he was cheering for us even afterwards. You know there were some tweets that he had kind of rooting for us on and and I think he was he was a nice little stopgap. But yes, uh, uh, that starting lineup was clearly flawed, especially with Bradley he would routinely fall behind in games, especially towards the end of his Clipper tenure. So his time was kind of numbered. Um, but in the end, you know, we waived him, and I think it was appropriate. Uh, and he ended up just being a nice little piece. Um, for a team that really was trying to get their footing, but a big reason why the starters were so fumbling was because he wasn't, he was just a very near average at best big man, traditional big man, and past his prime. So I enjoyed Gartat, but I think that's really all I have to really say about him. Um, really quickly, and the reason Boban comes before Gortat isn't because he was particularly more useful as a clipper, but it's because everybody just loves Bobine. Uh, he's still very beloved in Philadelphia, though they quickly realized that he is not a playoff player. Uh, he got phased out pretty quickly in their rotation, uh, realizing his limitations. And I feel like I can tell a lot of NBA fans from like legit NBA fans with their opinion on Boban Marjanovic and his minutes because Bobine has these amazing uh, stats, these PREs that are insane, these per 36s that are absurd um, that make him look like freaking LeBron James practically. Like he has stats on stats on stats. But when you watch him play, especially when you watch him play for extended minutes, he the, the shine wears off pretty quickly. Gotcha. Um, as great as Boban was, and he was an amazing personality, especially with, with uh, Tobias Harris, but he was just super limited. He couldn't move his feet. Um, he was just a very good situational player. Um, what do you think about Boban, Rob? Yeah, I mean, he's his biggest and most consistent utility is defending inbounds. Um, yeah. And it's legitimately useful. Like, if you have him on the end of the bench in an endgame situation, or really any crucial situation with the shot clock or you just want to prevent an inbound, he's useful to have. Um, you know, every once in a while putting him in for like two or three minutes can work to kind of switch up the flow of the game. Um, I mean, he can really put together stats. I mean, he can put in 10 points, five rebounds in like three or four minutes. And mm -hmm. like, it's legitimately effective against some teams. But as soon as that's over, you need to pull him. Uh, because as soon as he's out there for more than a couple of minutes, teams just attack him. Mm -hmm. and he gets tired. Um, and again, sometimes you just can't play him at all. Like any team with a, a point guard or a guard who can shoot off the dribble threes, he's hopeless. You just bring him up in the pick and roll. And if he tries sagging back, they just nail threes. If he tries to, you know, play up in the pick and roll, he just gets torched off the dribble. He just can't defend the pick and roll in the modern NBA. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's he's really like a very specific situational player. Um, certainly useful to have as like your thirteenth or fourteenth man. Um, you know, obviously a wonderful teammate, just a great guy, beloved by everybody. Um, and you know, for a playoff team to be able to throw him out there in certain situations, just 
for even two minutes to change a game can, can end up meaning everything. So my guess is he probably sticks around the NBA for another couple years on, on minimum deals. There's no way he gets anything more than the minimum or he shouldn't get anything more than the minimum. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a, a great personality. I love how Staples Center got hyped for him. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun having him on the team for around a year. Yeah, Boban turned around that Nuggets game pretty quickly that we almost won that first game in uh, in in LA uh, to open the season, and that's the kind of guy he is. Like, he did it against the Nuggets before too, and um, I want to say that Phoenix's first game against the the Clippers in LA, um, he openly frazzled you know their center, their rookie center. Um, yeah. yeah, Aiden and Aiden outwardly said it like after the game that that big dude like he just he threw me off and that's exactly what he does. He kind of just throws opposing teams off of their game and it's just he's just a nice little wrinkle to have like you pretty much mentioned. And that's all I can say about Bobon. I haven't seen John Wick. I have, I'm not watching those movies, but I would love to watch them just for him. <laughs> so um, it's only in the third one. He's in the third one. He's only I'll, in the third one. I'll, I'll, watch, I'll, I'll watch all of them in preparation for him, but he's, uh, he's a fun guy. They're supposed guy. to be really good, actually. They're supposed to be amazing. I need to, I need to watch them. I've been told to watch them by a few Well, people. they're supposed to be amazing, but he's supposed to be amazing. Oh, he's specifically supposed to be yeah. amazing. That's good. Yeah. He seems uh, like he could kick my ass. Oh, yeah. Like, he's huge. Just, like, yeah. when you see him in person, it's ridiculous. Even more than most NBA players who are all very large, but... Um, Boban's a different level than basically anybody else I've seen, I think, in the NBA. Just a gigantic person. There was a really cute bit against the Pelicans where he was holding the ball up oh, over yeah. Anthony Davis. <laughs> and cool. Davis was like jumping and trying to get it. And they yeah. just laughed about it. Just a great personality. I miss Boban. We'll talk about <laughs> Tobias Harris too. We, we miss those two together. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if he'll come back because I think this team is going to be short of roster spots next year. Um, but I could see him making his way back here eventually. He seemed like a very L.A. type of guy. He did, yeah. And um, I mean, I know everybody on the team loved him. Yeah. Um, I could see him making his way back here. I don't know about next year, but it's possible. Um, I kind of hope he and Tobias here just stay together, though. Yeah, you you wonder if he's just going to kind of follow Tobias. That would be kind of cool. It would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. They have, Uh, like, a a trade clause where you can't trade one without the other. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, but that's Boban. Um, up next, I think we can talk about uh, Avika Subat, um, who was – he's kind of an interesting person to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm still fairly invested in Zubat. I think that he has potential to potentially be, like, a baseline starter. Like, I don't think he can be an all-star or yada, yada. I don't, I don't, I don't really see that potential in him. But I think he could be a starter with his upside – uh, and at the very least, maybe a very, very servable, cervical, uh, serviceable bench player. Um, a lot was kind of made from the fact that he was pretty much zoned out of the Warrior series and and pretty much got no playing time. Um, but our defense was much better with him. He was a very heady guy, knew where to move, really good uh, verticality. I think that word is tossed around a lot, but Zubat was particularly skilled at kind of just going up and down and contesting without necessarily blocking every shot. Um, a lot of my Laker friends told me that he had really soft hands. I felt like we didn't really get an opportunity to see that because his hands are, his fingers are so mangled that he dropped so many passes and just couldn't get in the right spots to catch balls. But I mean, he's had, he had some very, very good games. You know, he was kind of like a nine, almost 10 and seven, almost player in limited minutes with a block or so good defense. Our defense improved exponentially with him on board and, I that's not even so much how great he is as much as it was how bad our previous lineups were, but I like him and I think he's going to be cheap, which is like the most important thing. And we already have Trez and uh, we have Trez at least for one more year. I think his contract's one more year. So I think, I think Zubat, I think this is the perfect situation for him. He's already an LA guy. Uh, He's been here for multiple years. I think it's a great situation for him to be a placeholder starter and maybe show us that, he can be a legit starter after this year because he'll have a full year. He'll be able to learn the system. He has opportunity. Doc has already put his his trust in him. 
he'll he won't make a ton of money, but he'll make a good good money in general because he's an NBA player that'll be signed to maybe a couple of years. How invested do you think the Clippers should be in Zubat? I wouldn't say too heavily invested. I mean, I like him. I think he's good. Uh, like you mentioned, he really boosted the team a lot, especially defensively. Um, you know, I think he's a legit, you know, above average defensive center. He moves his feet decently well for a guy his size, has good instincts around the rim, plays hard, is a really good rebounder. All that stuff is really good. Um, and I think to some extent the playoff struggles are overblown. One, he was injured. Two, it's the Warriors. Three, this is something I had a discussion on the other day on Twitter. Uh, it was in relation to the draft, but it just applies in general, which is that in the past few years, you know, the whole Draymond Green thing of 16 game players versus 82 game players has become a thing. Like, can you play this guy in the playoffs? You know, um, does he have weaknesses that can be exploited? Something, one of his strengths not worked very well. But it's overlooking the fact that 82 game players are ultimately more valuable because if you don't have the 82 game players, you're never going to make the playoffs in the first place. So even if Zubats is a guy who maybe he can't really play in the playoffs against good teams just because he can't do much offensively and, you know, his defense is fine, but not good enough to keep him on the court against like Steph or Dame or Jokic or whoever. Um, but, like, that doesn't matter. If he can give you 20 to 25 good minutes in the regular season and you're only paying him, like, you know, 5 to $6 million a year, even $8 million, that's, like, a perfectly good deal. Um, so I don't know if the Clippers should be, like, heavily invested in him. I don't think he has star upside. I don't think he really has even, like, consistent starter on a good team upside. Like, in terms of starter, I'm talking, like, 30-plus minutes a game. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if he'd ever quite get there. But, like, if you just want him to play 20 minutes a game as kind of a stopgap and have a guy like Trez who, if Zubats is struggling or there's just a bad matchup, you can just yank him and put in Trez or even, like, you know, go small with Jamichael Green or Willow yeah. Kalinari. That's perfect. So I think he's a perfect fit with the Clippers' current center rotation. Um, the reason I just wouldn't say invest too heavily is I just don't think he's a game-changing player. But he's still young. This is only his third season. His second season, he barely got any minutes. And he was injured for a lot of this year. So I'd be perfectly happy bringing him back on like a three-year, $20 million deal. And he might want more. I don't think he's going to get more. I think the playoffs probably reduced his value somewhat, which is good for the Clippers. But I wouldn't pay him anything extravagant. I don't think he's going to be like their top, you know, first call in free agency, um, you know, even without Kawhi and KD, I think Patrick Beverly would be way ahead of him in terms of the team's free agents. Honestly, honestly, I think Jamichael Green <laughs> might be ahead of him um, in terms of a guy who is just much more valuable in the playoffs. Again, you know, maybe less limited utility in the regular season, but was great against the Warriors. So, you know, I'd be very happy to have him back in a reasonable deal. And, you know, I'd be somewhat upset if, if you were to go, especially on a not very big contract. But, you know, it's he's not one of the young guys who I think I'm super attached to. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I feel pretty similar. I would like him to come back. Hopefully he can. And I don't know. There's. I feel like I still have my hopes up that maybe he can be a starter down the line. Uh, we'll kind of see next year uh, how he is, but I'm hoping that he can maybe flash a little bit more of his potential and be a starter, you know, not like a star starter, you know, somebody who probably plays like 28 minutes and could maybe do that for you and uh, give you some quality minutes there. I have some hope for Zubat, but I'm hoping he's, he's reasonable. I feel like 20 million is probably like the cat for him for that three year deal. And he probably hasn't really earned much more than that. So, We'll see what happens to him. And up next is Montrez Harrell. Um, I think we've said so much about Trez already. Uh, in the running for most improved player of the year, in the running for sixth man of the year. Um, the biggest question with Trez is probably just his general upside. It's a contract year next year, I believe. And 
I wonder how much he's going to play himself out of the Clippers price tag. Uh, Trez has been great. He's been a revelation from going for being a fringe, even player on the roster, according to Doc Rivers. To Which just that's being, weird. Like, right? Yeah. That's a weird, like, I can see him not necessarily having a rotation spot, but like, he was solid the year before with the Rockets. I mean, he showed definite flashes. He was a young big man with like a lot of Against energy. us too. He had like a 20 and 10 game against yeah, us. I don't know why like, he was a fringe roster player. Maybe like rotation player. But when Doc said that, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't think anybody thought he was the prize of the Chris Paul deal. I mean, I remember most people liked Sam Decker more than Montrose Harrell. Oh, yes. Yeah, but, Decker. like, he certainly wasn't – I'd never thought of him as, like, being on the roster bubble. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. I don't think anybody could have seen this. Um, just His improvement this year was remarkable. I did not have him in the most improved player. I think there were a fair amount of guys who probably jumped more than he did. But the thing that impressed me the most was his passing as the season went on. Yep. Um, his ability to playmake out of the short roll with mm-hmm. Luke Williams, where Lou gets doubled, he has the ball in a four-on-three, and he was able to either find you know another guy under the basket, usually you know Gallo or Green, or kick out to shooters, and not turn the ball over and not force shots in traffic, it was really impressive for a guy who. You know, even earlier this season, but especially last year, it looked like a complete black hole. A lot yep. of um, just really impressive development. A monster getting to the free throw line. You know, I wish he shot better once he got there. <laughs> um, but sixty four percent isn't awful. I mean, it could definitely no. be improved. But I mean, that's certainly not like hack hacking range. Very uh, streaky, just streaky shooter. And like you know. I don't know how many how many threes did he take. He took 17 threes, of which some were heaves. But, you know, he's shown signs of being able to hit threes, and I believe that's what he said he was going to work on in the summer. Yep. If he comes back next year and starts hitting threes at, like, a decent clip, I mean, I don't want him taking a lot because his bread and butter is in the paint and just bullying people. But, like, if he can start taking, you know, two to three a game when he's left wide open and hit them at around, like, even 30%, I'll be incredible, and I, I don't and, doubt him. And he's gonna, and he'll blow by people. Oh, it, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of afraid of the three point shooting because he's such a tenacious rim runner mm-hmm. that I don't want to take away from that too much, and I, I want him to find a good balance. But obviously, it would be a great weapon to have. I agree with you entirely about his short roll game. I think it was particularly exemplified in that glorious Boston comeback where he hit Pat Beverly in the corner a couple of times. Um, that's like the hardest thing I feel like for a big man is that four on three Draymond gets a lot of credit, you know, for being a system guy, yada, yada, but doing that four on three short roll and making those decisions is like your brain is <laughs> moving. Yeah, so I mean, He's brilliant at it for as much yeah. as I hate Draymond, like his ability to also like fake floaters and then turn them into passes. And I mean, he's just, I mean, he's great at that. Um, he's the best in the NBA at it. It's why the Warriors offense can do what it does. But, like, I mean, Trez will never get there. I mean, yeah. that's just not going to happen. But, you know, even doing what he does has been great. Um, and, you know, the one time I wish he would still pass more is when, even though I love when he takes the ball up the court on fast breaks, um, and sometimes it leads to highlights. Like, there are so many times where he just has easy passes and he just dribbles with his head down. But Again, yeah, minor I think he gets very excited when he's on the break and the ball's in his hands. Yeah. He thinks he's a point guard, which is adorable. But sometimes, I, know, it's awesome. um, I, <laughs> I honestly don't necessarily want him to change. He's yeah, I, I, it's terrifying. Can you imagine like having Trez running in front of you? And sometimes those little push shots, I feel like they never go in except for one out of like five times. Uh, <laughs> but he's. He's great, like a full steam when he when he catches a, a center full steam and goes right. Like he has a lot of a lot of pet moves that I didn't know that he had that he really mm-hmm. showed off this season. He's become a legit player offensively, and I never knew he had that. I always just thought of him as a tenacious junkyard kind of player, but he's skilled and he's really shown that this season. And yeah, thank goodness we have him. Eight million a year. What a not even eight. It's uh not it's, even eight. That's oh yeah, that's the Lou deal. The Lou deal's eight. Six Lou's million. Eight. Harold was what two a, for what a 12 steal. Oh man. 
that's such a steal. So he's yeah. he's been fantastic. He's gonna have a nice paycheck after next season. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's I mean, how much do you think he's gonna get? Like fifteen million a year? I feel like, yeah. I mean, I feel like he'll be fifteen million. I mean, he's I, not gonna sniff like a max or even close. No, definitely not. But he'll definitely be fifteen plus. I can imagine him being even seventeen, like for a desperate team or something like that. Like I think that's gonna, the region where I probably wouldn't just because he's so good, but like the, the undersized, you know, element really comes into play even more than protecting the rim, just with rebounding. There were so many games where the Clippers could not get a rebound. And as, as much as he tried and as hard as he battled, like he's just undersized. And I don't necessarily think he even has great rebounding instincts. Um, you know, there are other undersized, you know, players like him who are much better rebounders. Like I just don't, it just doesn't seem to click. Um, even though he definitely goes all out for them. But, I mean, he's going to be worth every, you know, him, Beverly. I don't know if Lou has another payday because, I mean, he's going to be pretty old by the time his deal runs out. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with Trez and Pat, you know, like even if they go elsewhere, if they get their payday, I don't care. You know, those guys deserve it, especially Pat. I mean, he's – Trez will yeah. still have another deal after this one, though undersized big men do not historically age well. But – I mean, he, he still has a while left. Like, this is Pat's last year. I mean, we'll talk about him more later. But, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, if, if Trez prices himself out of the Clippers range, good for him. Like, you know, <laughs> secure the bag. Uh, yeah, honestly, I I don't I won't hold it against him, neither with Pat. But, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I really hope we can bring him back for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, we've talked about him so much. But, you know, he's just been, like, a joy to watch. Played all 82 games, which is wow. – I think he and Shea were the only players, too. Yep. Um, and Trez had some bad scares through the season. He did, because he goes so hard. Like, every time he falls and, like, it looks like he twisted his knee or, like... He, like, broke his neck like, one time, the way he fell. That, yeah, oh my God. Just, like, I don't know how yeah. it would. I'm worried, though. Like, I hope it doesn't happen next year, because that could harm them. I mean, I hope it never happens, but I worry about him. I think one time he's going to... Something like that's going to happen, and it's going to actually be that bad. And yeah, we're, we're I'm definitely, yeah. That's yeah he, plays, he plays with, like, Blake Griffin's kind of tenacity exactly. when he was a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, we're just, it's like. scary. Yeah, like, I think he's not, I mean, he doesn't have the injury history. And Blake was already injured really badly in um, in college. I mean, yeah. well, not, like, he was injured in college. And then, obviously, yeah. in preseason, um, you know, he tore Broke his kneecap. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't have that, but I, yeah, I worry. Um, but 82 games, played 26 minutes a game, you know, 16.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists. Like, got better defensively, still wasn't great. But And he also doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, considering how much he plays in the post, he really doesn't get stripped very much. Um, yeah, he's just he's an awesome yeah. Player. If you want to talk about hands, I mean, Trez probably has some of the best hands in the league. He can catch yeah. anything, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, the the little bounce passes that Lou's able to get to him, and even mm-hmm. Shea at times, just like, not many big men could. I mean, a lot of that is that he and, him and Lou, like, might share, like, brains. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's just been incredible to watch. Um, I want him and Lou to stay together for, like, ever – yeah, Just running pick and roll, but aside aside from that Shamit three, which is probably the biggest play of the season, I would say that that Lou Williams up and un, that Lou Williams fake he had on Durant and the pass to Trez in Game Five with the dunk. Oh yeah, quarter. It's probably maybe the the emblematic play of the Clippers season. That was yeah. so so good. Yeah, it was awesome. And if you watch that play again. It feels like he doesn't get enough credit. He destroys Durant. Like, he completely fakes out Durant. Durant bites on a little hezzy move, and then he drives to the rim, gets a defensive collapse, and hits Trez. It was, like, one of the best plays of the playoffs and probably doesn't get the hype it deserves because it was it was on the heels of this great Clipper game, and nobody was really expecting them to win that game. But if you're ever sad, you should just look at that, that play. It was really yeah. awesome. I mean, I think – when it comes to the guards, I mean, we might just have to have separate podcasts for like Lou and Pat Beverly. I don't, I don't even probably know like I don't even know how we're going to talk about the guards. That might be like a three-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I don't think I have too much else to say about Trez. Like, you know, I guess there's the possibility 
he's in a trade this summer. Um, really the only guy I can think of him getting traded for would be Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, which I don't think happens. Um, but it's possible. You know, he's a super valuable trade chip. So if they try to cash in for a superstar, it's probably going to be him and one of the young guys as like the two main pieces. So, um, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen, but he's one of those guys who I'm just going to, no matter what team he plays for, even if he was on the Lakers, I think I'd enjoy just watching him destroy people. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't really hate the Laker players anymore. I mostly just hate the fans and the organization. (laughs) The 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 players are okay. Like Kuzma, is kind of annoying because he kind of typifies Laker but culture. But he's actually cool, though. Um, is he cool? Have you seen yeah, his he tattoos? He's well, cool. So like, I'm like attached to the Michigan area. I went to school there. I'm actually going back there for work. Um, and he's from Flint, and he's been like super outspoken about their water issue. That's that's good. Which I respect. Um, yeah, I mean, he just seems like a good dot guy. He seems funny. Everybody else seems to like him around the NBA. Um, Josh Hart is probably the more annoying one um, on their team. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd watch Trez wherever he goes and just be happy. Um, You know, Pat would be – would immediately start irritating the Clippers, but I would just laugh and just be like, no. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to dislike Beverly after he was on your team. Rocket fans still love him so much. Yeah, Yeah. even though he's a – Rocket fans are, like, very bitter about the Chris Paul trade, though. which, like, to, I, yeah. I understand, but, like, they were also in Game 7 against the Warriors. They were up at halftime. Yeah, at I mean, I, I haven't... Finals. Like, I don't know what else you can ask for. I mean, outside of an actual championship. Like, I have a, I have a Rocket fan buddy, and I don't think he's that bitter about the, about the Paul trade as much as it's like, man, would it be nice now? But, obviously, you guys still made Game 7 against the, the Warriors and probably should have beat them. Like, And they don't do that if they don't make that deal. They don't. They just kept yeah, those they guys. They don't, they don't do that against – I mean, Chris Paul was amazing last year. This year, yeah. fell off. But I think he was still really good this year. Honestly, he's, he's just underrated his entire career. As, like, much as, we, as much as we love Lou Williams, he didn't have a particularly good postseason with the Rockets that one year. No, so. he's, he's notoriously yeah. had bad postseasons. He mm-hmm. told his postseason when he kind of just lit the Warriors on fire. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul is just, like, even though he does so many annoying things and dirty things, too, like, ultimately it just comes down to he's, like, the most, he's probably the most underrated player of his generation, even though he's one of the best players of his generation. It's truly unbelievable. Um, But anyway, uh, I don't have any more to say about Trez, except I'm really happy the Clippers got him in that deal. Yeah, me too. He was a jewel. Um, I mean, anything to say about Motley and Delgado? Motley, we were asking for for many games to maybe have an opportunity to start. He had flashed some nice little mm-hmm. offensive potential, and you know those guys are G League superstars more so than anything. Delgado barely played, but people were probably asking for him too, especially in light of our rebounding woes. They just seem like guys that are just kind of on the back burner. Any anything to really talk about with those two that you want to mention? Not particularly. I think both of them, to use a baseball analogy, um, both of them seem kind of like quadruple A players to me, <laughs> um, which for those who don't follow baseball, the highest level of the minor leagues is triple A. So quadruple A me- basically means they're too good for triple A and they're not quite good enough to be in the NBA or the MLB in that case. Um, I think both of them could be NBA players. Um you know, Delgado played literally 15 minutes this year. Like, there was no sample size on him in the NBA. Motley, we got, like, 150 minutes, I think. And there were, a, you know, like, 100 minutes of him on the maps last year. You can definitely score at the NBA level. Like, I think if you played him 20 minutes, he'd score 10 points a game. Um, and probably semi-efficiently. The question is defense and rebounding and just everything else. Because he looks like a black hole all the time. You know, it could be because he's playing garbage time minutes and those guys are always just trying to score to impress. And just because, you know, they want to score, they're getting, like, precious few NBA minutes. Like, for all he knows, these could be the only NBA minutes of his career. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think so, but it's possible. Um, So I don't blame him. But 
I'd say I'm probably still a little higher on Motley, even though Delgado, I believe, was actually the more acclaimed G League player just because of his rebounding. I mean, he was, I think, the best or second best rebounder in, like, G League history this year. Um, just a monster rebounder. But Delgado, I mean, Motley has more offensive game. Um, it's probably just the more interesting prospect. But, yeah, I don't really have much to say. Like, I think they're both, you know, kind of fringe NBA players if Motley can bulk up a little, I mean, he's only 22, I think. I mean, he's 23. They're both 23. Oh, Motley is 23, Telgato's 24. Um, so they're both young enough to improve, certainly. Um, if Motley can bulk up a little bit um, to be a bit better of a rim protector and a rebounder, I think you could certainly stick as a backup big man. Delgado actually has a very nice passing game. He's, he's very nice passing out of the, you know, the pick and roll. And, um, off dribble handoffs, but I think he needs to expand his range or just try to slim down a little to be able to guard a little bit more on the perimeter. But, you know, I'd be perfectly happy with either of them as like the third big man next year after, um, you know, Zubats, Trez, and then you have like Jermichael Green as, you know, the small guy. And then as their traditional third center, you have one of those two. I think they'd be perfectly fine in that role. Yeah, I feel like I just I'm more familiar with Motley just from his minutes, but he had a nice kind of um understated offensive game and and decent in transition and decent rebounder, but not much size. You know, a lot of people like to compare him to Trez a bit, but I feel like they're a little bit different. Um, especially Trez's tenacity, I suppose you could say, versus I mean, Trez is just yeah. so like strong. Right. It's not something too. anybody can yeah. just have. Just like, a bully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's his biggest – I mean, he's very skilled. Like, his signature move is literally just pushing people out of the way and dunking on them. Probably <laughs> cannot do that. No. But, yeah, I, I don't have too much else to say. Yeah, um, I think that'll more or less do it. Um, we can talk a little bit about the finals. The, the Kawhi Leonard-led – really, the Pascal Siakam-led Raptors – in game one, one game oh. one, they're up one nothing against the Warriors. I just I keep expecting them to lose <laughs> for the they're last really few weeks. Good. But they're just rolling. They could they're... win this. <sighs> I don't think Durant, they will. If Durant comes back close to 100%, I think the Warriors win. It really doesn't sound like he will, though. Like, he's out for game two. It sounds like he's probably going to be out for game three. Even if he comes back, it doesn't seem like he's going to be anywhere near 100%. I think the Raptors could win. Man. Which would be truly incredible. And truly. honestly, if Kawhi stayed there after that, like I don't know how Clippers fans could possibly be upset. It would be like one of the most magical seasons in NBA history. Um, I ca- I kind of feel like a one and one is coming. That's kind of what, what I the feel rumor like. was today. From I think it was Henry Abbott. It's a true hoop article, right? Yeah, he was like Kawhi on a short deal. Um, in which and case, he, we get to do this all again next summer. Yeah, I mean, even without this, even without that article, it just feels like what's it feels like what's going to happen. I, I don't know. It's kind of my gut feeling right now that he might do a one and one, and then well, yeah, and then we'll do it all again next summer. Which I just don't want to do. I posted about this on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, but like, I hate this free agency stuff. Like, hate <laughs> like having to stay tuned to like every little rumor, and then you know people get upset when you don't write about it, and it's just like I just don't care. Like, you know, I care, but. I just can't be bothered to write about every single little thing that comes out and like every sourced article that's just like Kawhi is leaning this way or the Clippers still have confidence. These are not important updates. (laughs) You know, if we did Kawhi Leonard is heavily leaning towards staying in Toronto, I would write about that. But when it's like Mark Stein, like, you know, the Clippers are still heavily interested in, you know, Actually, pursuing Of course, like, I am heavily interested, too, in pursuing sure. Carlin. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, such boring article titles. But, yeah, like, the Raptors have been awesome. They look really good. Um, I'm probably happier for Kyle Lowry than anybody else. Um, just a long time, you know, one of my favorite players. In, in many ways, it was always just like a lesser Chris Paul um, he's yeah. not probably better than Chris Paul, but um, just very similar type of player. A bit better shooter off the dribble. Uh, not quite as good a passer or playmaker, but I mean, he's been great. Siakam has you know had quiet stretches against the Bucks or Sixers, but his defense is phenomenal. 
Uh, his offense in game one was ridiculous. Van Vliet is just, like, I don't even know what's happened to him. Yeah. Like, Pat McCaw came for a revenge three-pointer. <laughs> Jeez, can you believe it? My if gosh. He a title his the first three seasons of his career and on two separate teams. I don't, that's probably never been done before. Um, yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't. So honestly, like, I, it would be awesome if he just retired after that. It's just like, you know what? Right. Get to hang it up. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm rooting for the Raptors. Like, I don't, I don't really even care if that means Kawhi goes back, you know, because I don't think it's definitive either way. Like, you know, if a report came out, you know, Kawhi to stay, if, they won the title. Like, obviously, I'd end up rooting for the Warriors as much as I'd hate myself. But I really don't think that's the case. Like, like I've said before, I think if he wins the title for them, he could just leave and be like, I got a title for you guys. You know, I gave everything I had to Toronto. I probably won finals MVP. And now I get to play in Los Angeles like I've always wanted or whatever. Um, like, some fans are very adamant that that's a stupid idea. I mean, I think at this point, it's just likely he returns no matter what. But, yeah. I don't know who to root for. It's weird. I've had rooting interest very clearly the last few seasons because I don't like the Warriors. But I have no clue who to, who to root for. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. It's weird. And I, I still really want Kawhi, obviously. But um, it just feels like it's dwindling and dwindling. We'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. And, I mean, of course, the chances, of, yeah. the chances of KD could be going up. As all this is they happening. Could they could be. They could be. But the worst scenario for Clipper fans, I think, will be, let's say the Raptors split. And then Durant comes back. And the Warriors win in seven. I, I feel yes. like that's the worst scenario for the Clippers. Because then Durant will feel like he contributed to the Warriors. Might think about staying. Kyrie might go to the Lakers. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen with, with Kyrie Irving. I don't care even. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I only care in as much as he might move the the dial for Durant. Um, yeah. yeah. And if he goes somewhere, like if he doesn't go to the Knicks, then like I think Lucas even mentioned last pod. If he goes to the Knicks, then maybe Durant goes to the Knicks. But if he doesn't, then Durant might just feel like, well, maybe I'll just stay. And the worst thing to me will be if the Raptors lose in seven because that's going to be at home. That's going to be like, how do you leave that? You know, that's really unfinished business. So that would be the worst case scenario for Clipper fans. I think if the Raptors, I think the best case might be the Raptors winning in like four or five. They won't. (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't think so. But I did. I thought they would have lost like a week ago. I didn't think they they pretty handily won game one. They looked in control for the entire game. They did. But but the Warriors didn't play well. I don't. No, they did not. No. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a series. Um, Yeah, it's gonna be a series. I would probably bet on the Warriors to win game two, but I think the Raptors can certainly win game three or four, especially without KD. So I'm just. I, I hope it's just a fun good series after the awful series we had last year. Um, Man, that, was, that was bad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, that's, we have a bunch of Twitter questions, surprisingly enough. Oh, we do. Wow. Doc got fine. Doc got fine for tampering, by the way, who, who cares? I mean, the Clippers did whatever. I really, I think it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Like whatever. I don't really, I think yeah, there was an interesting, just like who kind of complained enough to get them fined. Um, I just thought the Raptors, but somebody said the Lakers is kind of like a sneak vengeance tampering, sure. which would honestly be like the smartest thing they've done in like years. In like five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really don't care. Like it was dumb. Like, you know, I can perfectly see at the, I retweeted a couple things that summed it up pretty well. Basically like can perfectly see why they find him. I think to me that defines tampering at the same time. What's the point of having him on? Right, NBA sponsored talk show. That's yeah, just find, broadcast. Just buy an ESPN for calling him or something. Yeah, like ESPN either shouldn't should have known not to ask about stuff like that. But like, if you're gonna have him on, like, how is he not gonna talk about Kawhi Leonard in a Raptors Warriors Finals preview? Like, you know, you either just say the simple solution is probably just like coaches can't go on there because it's tampering. Right, to talk about these right, things, which is yeah. stupid. But, like, you've got to decide one way or the other. But I have nothing else to say. 
Yeah, I mean, just let Magic keep spouting off and sounding like a huge fucking idiot. Like, just keep, just let him do that for another five hours if you want. It's ridiculous. Anyways, um, yeah, we have five Twitter yeah. questions. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first one from my dad, um, Richard Flom, is Plan B if they strike out on KD and Kawhi, shoot for the moon for AD or regroup for summer twenty twenty. So I tweeted about this today too. Sorry, I'm talking about my Twitter so much. Um, <laughs> The Anthony Davis thing is interesting to me because if the Raptors are able to keep Kawhi, who would be the second high-profile superstar in the past couple years that stayed on a team that they are, did not originally want to be traded to with, along with Paul George. And for some teams, that could make an AD trade more feasible. You're like, well, like, you know, Kawhi and PG, despite you know, very long historic ties to L.A., and within like the year before wanting to be traded there, ended up staying in places that nobody really thought they would stay in. Why couldn't Anthony Davis stay with us? Um, so on one hand, I think, you know, if the Raptors keep Kawhi, that's an argument for trading for AD. On the other hand, you know, if you don't have that other superstar, I don't know why you'd throw all your eggs in the AD basket. Um, like he's the guy who I think if you get Kawhi, then maybe you're like, if we trade for AD2, maybe we have, you know, an NBA championship level team. Um, but so to answer the question, plan B if they strike out on KD and Kawhi, um, I actually, I don't think they trade for AD. My guess is they try to do some high upside, you know, smaller signings, um, you know, and yeah, probably just regroup for the next summer. Um because like you said, I, Kawhi might take a short deal. We could be doing this again next summer. Uh, it seems like superstars yeah. are going to start taking shorter deals because they want to have more agency over where they go. So, you know, that could very well happen. But what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I'll probably run it back. <laughs> yeah. I, I And I also feel like the Pelicans are more likely to just hold out on AD and try and keep them and convince them with Zion Williamson that this is worth staying. See, that I don't believe in. I think that is yeah. just... Griffin trying to increase his trade value, like we could keep him. That's, yeah, that's a good I don't point. think they can keep him after what happened last year. I, I mean, yeah, it feels like he burned bridges. That's a good point. He burned bridges. Like the rest of the guys on the team, would they really welcome him back? Like Drew Holiday? Like, I don't know. Like, and how would the thing work with Gentry? Um, but really, I just, like, Davis still doesn't want to be there from all the reports, is he still wants a trade. And, like, I just don't know how you keep a guy who doesn't want to be there for two years. Like, that could look bad for other players and agents. Like, that could harm you in the future. Like, a guy asking for a trade and you just refuse to trade him, I think that looks bad. So, my guess is they still trade him. It might happen later in the summer after free agent dominoes have fallen, but I think he still gets traded. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'll, I'll see what conversations are being had. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not certain that he'll get traded before the beginning of the season, but it probably still would be the smart move and probably the smart money. Okay. I would, I, mean, I would bet on him being traded before the start of the season. Not a lot of money, but I, I think I'd bet on that. Reasonable uh, amount of money. <laughs> yeah. I bet like 20. Uh, yeah. Like 20. <laughs> um, next question from Casey Clark is unrelated to the current team, but who would win the worst game of one-on-one of all time? Wesley Johnson or Avery Bradley? I'll let you answer this one first. Um, I think Wesley Johnson has the size. <laughs> just a shoot over him. He just a shoot over him, and he has a length to bother Avery Bradley's, you know, twenty percent jumper. Um, so I think I would, I think I would take Wesley Johnson. It would be a very long game. <laughs> there would be lots of bricks. Yeah, I think I agree because if Bradley. If you took them both right now, I think I'd go Wes. If you took maybe like a few years ago, Bradley, who had a little bit more speed, right? Maybe he'd be able to take Wes off the dribble. But like he was never a great at attacking or anything. Like he's never been able to draw free throws or finish. I'd, I'd say you take Wes, but that would be a hell of a long game to twenty-one. Remember when the Grizzlies came back against us and Avery Bradley hit a three-pointer that gave them the lead? Ugh. It's like the saddest moment of my life, maybe. 
<laughs> yeah, so. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. It was so. It was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that is one way to become like you know have a legacy in a friend like on a team forever. Like Clippers fans will remember Avery Bradley for a long time. I don't. I don't hate Wes Johnson like I hated Avery Bradley. No. What? No. Wes Johnson no, was no. like just like the definition of a replacement level wing, mm-hmm. and the Clippers needed more. But like, yeah, I have I have nothing against Wes Johnson, um, who is also by all counts like a great teammate and dude. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, the next question from Brandon Amador: What type of return is realistic if Gallo is traded to create cap space? Um, I don't think you get a first. I know I think Lucas talked last week about getting a first. I don't think you get a first for him unless it's a team who really thinks adding him can push them to like a championship contending team, which. The only team I think even kind of fits that bill is the Jazz. Like, if the, if the Jazz traded a first-round pick and, like, one small bit of matching salary and took the rest of Gallo into cap space and started him at power forward next to Gobert with, you know, Ingles and, and Mitchell and Gobert, um, I mean, that would be a really, really good team if he stayed healthy. They're really the only team I can think of that might give up a first for him. Um, I'm guessing it would be, you know, it's other smaller expiring deals and maybe like a couple second round picks or like middling prospects. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's going to be like a, like a very low first or kind of like the Avery Bradley deal, like you mentioned, like a couple of just smaller assets. And I, ca- I can't imagine it'd be too much. The like, best thing is that he's no longer a net negative. I don't think we need to give up a first rounder to get rid of him. So that's a, that's a good thing. So uh, maybe a low first would be, would be something that maybe we could get, but I feel like that's even asking a, a, a bit. So that's, that's more or less it. Yeah. Um, next question from uh, ZP43 is um, Clips plan of two way player. Delgado and Motley, and ideals two second late, two late second rounders to pick. So I think the first question is, um, what's the Clippers' plan with Delgado and Motley? Which Motley was traded when he was already a two-way player, so I believe his contract expired. Um, I'm not sure if he's restricted or not. I think he is. Um, maybe he isn't. I'm not sure. Delgado, I think, still is another year of two-way. So I think Delgado will just be back as a two-way. Motley. Might not be, but I don't know. If the question was what was their plan, I think it was just to develop them in the G League and bring them up if they needed to. Um, An ideal two second late rounders to pick. Um, Two late second rounders. Well, I can't speak. Um, I'm a homer for Michigan, guys. I think all three Michigan players in this draft are projected to go in the late second round. I think all of them are legit NBA players. I'd be very happy with any of them. And... The one guy who I think is very, very good who might fall that far is Jonte Porter, uh, just due to injury concerns. It's very possible he just never plays because of them, but if he does play, he's going to be good. Um, so if they keep both picks, um, I'd say Jonte Porter and I'll just say Charles Matthews, um, who's one of the Michigan wings. I have, I have, no, I have not researched <laughs> the second round. I actually just started doing a lot of research this week. Um, yeah, I'll probably look into them cl- I'll look into them closer to the draft, but honestly, second rounders, if they, if they crack the rotation, I'll look into them the most once we pick them. But uh, second rounders, I just feel like you're, you're lucky to be a rotation player at most. So I'll, I'll hope for the best, but I don't really have anybody in mind just yet. And I don't know who's going to really crack the rotation, particularly with the players we already have, but we'll see. I mean, we have good, we have good scouts and we have, you know, great front office. I'm sure knows what they're doing. We have Jerry West, so yeah. Uh, hopefully, we have a good eye for whoever becomes available at that time. Yeah, and then last question from Lob City Bandwagon: A uh, 2015 clips versus 2019 clips. What's the difference, and why do 2015 clips bring boatloads of tears? No pun intended. Um, that's a really interesting. I mean, the Lob City team needs a book or like a 30 for 30 or something because. I remain kind of unsatisfied with most of the explanations we've got um, because we've heard so many. We've heard they all hated each other. And then we've heard they didn't all hate each other. 
And then we've heard, you know, they just kind of got defeated after a while, just didn't believe in themselves, or they just didn't have the talent. There are all these things. They just had the talent, but they just didn't get lucky. Um, I think the big difference is just attitude, probably. Um, the 2019 clips were just tougher mentally, I think, and didn't get down as much. 2015 clips definitely had more talent. Um, and the 2015 clips, like, I think ultimately it's unfortunate. They were just really unlucky. You know, that Houston series, you know, it, the, all the key players on that Clippers series have never made a Western conference, fi- uh, you know, a conference finals as a key player. Um, actually Chris Paul did last year, but um, you know, they never did as Clippers. And that year it was just bad luck more than anything else. Like Josh Smith and Corey Brewer hit a ton of threes. It's incredibly unlikely to happen. And it happened, you know, was it on them for kind of allowing it to happen at least a little bit? Yeah. But it was just a fluke, you know? And ultimately I think you know, sometimes the simplest explanation is the best. Like the Rockets got really lucky for a couple games and the Clippers just didn't keep their heads and got, uh, we got tears. Yeah, man, it, it was a fluke. Like that team wasn't going to beat the Warriors. I think they were at their wits end. Um, so I, I don't think like we would have, won the championship. And I think actually there was a podcast that Bill Simmons had, and he actually literally said that the Clippers should have won that title. Like the Warriors weren't ready for it. And I, disagree. Uh, I absolutely disagree. And, and uh, I think the Warriors would have beaten us handily. I don't think it would have gone seven. There would have been some nice aura about the series because we beat them the previous year, but um, they should have, you know, they should have won that rocket series. And you know what? That was the one time the Clippers should have won a series that they lost. You could say it. You you could say it about the Jazz. You could say it about the Blazers. But we got injured, so we yeah. weren't going to win those series. The one time the Clippers lost a series that they should have absolutely won was that Rocket series, and they lost. And unfortunately, they they really they really should have put it away. But I think Chris Paul's injury was lingering more than we talk about, and uh, that was part of the reason he was so gassed uh-huh. to close. He he was also going balls to the wall in that third quarter, trying to put them away. And I think he just ran out of energy. And Doc left the guys in maybe a little too late. Doc did the same thing with the Celtics in game seven against the Lakers. They were up in 2010. They were up like 12 or 13. And he left his guys a little too long in the third quarter trying to go for the kill. And they couldn't separate. And they were gassed in the fourth quarter. And they lost that game. They lost the title. And he kind of did the same thing with the Clippers, you know. And, and Doc also didn't trust, like, Nate Robinson. And he couldn't rest Rajon Rondo for good reason. And he didn't rest Rondo. And Rondo was tired. And he was the only young guy on that team, the best player probably from that playoff run. And he didn't trust anybody on our Clippers really either. Because, and also for good reason. Glenn Davis, was playing, Glenn Davis was playing on a broken foot. Uh, <laughs> Jamal Crawford. Is and Jamal that was the year, remember, and that was the reason, you know, more than anything why the Warriors would have won. I mean, Steph and Draymond and Clay were already really good. But, like, that was the year that they actually had good depth, too. Um, you know, it was Iggy and Livingston, I think, were in their first year. Right. Oh, no, Iggy was there the year before, right? That was the Barbosa year. Are yeah, you talking Barbosa about- was there. I yeah. think Bruce Bates was there. Uh, Bogut was still pretty good. David Lee was still, you know, he was kind mm-hmm. of a joke, but he was still, like, an effective bench player. Like, that team was deep, and I mean, yeah, they would have beaten the Clippers. I think it might have gone six, um, but I don't think the Clippers ever really would have threatened to win. Uh, yeah. I think they weren't so in their heads that they would have gotten swept, but I think it would have gone like five or six maybe, but they weren't going to beat the Warriors that year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't I think I have anything else. That was all the questions. Um, who do you think wins tomorrow, I guess? The Warriors. Yeah, I'll say so too. I'd be, su- I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't win. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised by anything at this point, but I just I think they'll win. You know, I think Clay might cheat better. Um, I mean, Steph had 35 last game, which is crazy because it didn't seem like That's he true. got that hot. He's so good. Um, the, the job the Clippers did on him defensively, just the more the playoffs have gone along, it's just been – should be talked about more because they shut him down. 
after the first like game and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's partially just because they kept feeding Durant because the Clippers could not stop him, even if they put like a twenty foot brick wall in front of him. Um, but you know, they did a really I mean, good job. We 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 have the Curry stopper, <laughs> Landry Shamit. It yeah. was like when JJ Redick was the hardened stopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's it for me. Yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Law of the Agenda podcast. As always, uh, give us a nice rating on whatever you listen to us to. Uh, we'll be back. We'll probably talk more about the forwards maybe next week and more about this final situation. I think game four might be next Friday or so. And as always, go Clippers!